Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. Now let's examine a very important subject over here. As we talk about Abu Talib, so far we've seen how Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet, was with the Prophet since he was young. Let's not forget when the Prophet was young and he would take him to those trips to Syria, right? How he was very protective of the Prophet. And remember what Bahira told him, you know, that he has enemies and Abu Talib took him back immediately. So Abu Talib really raised the Messenger of God. He supported the Prophet you know, in a way that no one did at that time. But historically, the faith of Abu Talib has become a sectarian issue. The followers of Ahlul Bayt believe that he was a believer, not only was a believer, we have hadiths that he was actually a prophet. Yes, a local prophet who did not have a public message, but he was in the rank of prophets or he was a prophet, or he was a successor to a prophet. So the followers of Ahlul Bayt are very clear that Abu Talib was of high rank and a very high faith and he was a Muslim. However, you find many schools of thought, many Muslim books like Bukhari and others, they condemn Abu Talib and they accuse him of dying as a mushrik, as a pagan and that he is burning in hell every day. We'll examine some of those hadiths. So this is actually a very important point and one reason why it is very important is because you often hear other schools of thought attacking the Shia of condemning companions, right? We always hear that. You guys condemn the companions, you guys slander the companions, all companions are to be respected. Here you have the single most important companion of the Prophet, Sahabi, who lived with the Prophet in Mecca. Yet they curse him and they condemn him and they say he went to hell. So when they accuse us of condemning companions, you're the first to condemn companions, the first companion of the Prophet, the first supporter of the Prophet, you guys are condemning him and you're saying he went to hell and they get offended if you talk about some other companions and say they disobeyed the Prophet, they deviated, they don't take it properly. But when it comes to Abu Talib, no, they slander him, they attack him, they accuse him of, you know, uh, going to hell and so on and so forth. So this is a very important issue that must be discussed because this is the biggest supporter of the Prophet in Mecca. We have to do justice to the personality of Abu Talib So let's not forget the stance of Abu Talib since the first day that the Prophet declared the religion of Islam. When you put all these pieces together, it will generate certainty that he was a firm believer in the Prophet. First of all, let's not forget that when Abu Talib saw the Prophet along with Lady Khadija, along with Imam Ali praying in Masjid al-Haram, that was the first prayer, only three. What did he tell his son Ja'far? He told his son Ja'far, Sil Janaha ibn Ammik, go and join your cousin. So we see Abu Talib knew that Imam Ali had joined. He actually commands his other son Ja'far to go and support the Prophet. You as a father, if you don't believe in the message of that Prophet, 
would you command your son? Now okay, your first son didn't get permission from you. He was a believer from day one, right? And he was asked whether he took permission from his father. He said, Allah did not take permission from my father when he decided to create me. So I don't need his permission to worship God the way he wants. Okay, Imam Ali did not take permission from his father. However, Ja'far, who's the one who commanded Ja'far to go and join the Prophet? It was Abu Talib. If you don't believe in the message of the Prophet, why are you sending your other son to join the Prophet? Number two, when we say the Prophet being, when we say the Prophet, you know, being harassed, repeatedly being harassed in Masjid al-Haram, they would take the intestines of animals, they would pollute, you know, his, his body and his clothes. What would Abu Talib do? He would get up, he would seek revenge from them, he would stop them, he would threaten them, he would take those same intestines and he would wipe them on their mustaches. Why would you do that if you don't really believe in the message of the Prophet It's not just him being emotional because he is his nephew, that's not the case. And what proves this is that last time we mentioned when they were in the valley, what would Abu Talib do every night? Not only would he keep a watch on the Prophet, he would surround the Prophet with who? With your sons. Who's closer to you, your son or your nephew? Why would you sacrifice your son for your nephew if you don't believe in the message of your nephew? Because Sunnis say it was out of, you know, the... Exactly, it was out of the natural compassion that a relative has for his relative, right? Well, if you're talking about emotions, then you should have more emotions for your sons because your sons are closer to you than your nephew. But we see Abu Talib, he always defends the Prophet, supports the Prophet, even if it means putting his sons in danger. That's not acting emotionally. You would only do that if you believe in the message of the Prophet. So this is another indication over here. All these actions are, of, you know, are giving you an image of someone who believes in the message. He's not acting because of tribal interests or family interests, no. So let's examine some points to establish that Abu Talib was truly a man of faith. The first point is that Abu Talib commanded a very high status in Mecca because essentially he was the most high-ranking member of Bani Hashim and he was old, you know he was in his 80s at the time so he was very well respected. He sacrificed his status by going against the elite of his society. He put Bani Hashim into difficulty by supporting the Prophet. Is this something that you do out of emotion or because you believe in the message of the Prophet? See, if you're looking for the interests of your tribe, you shouldn't support the Prophet because you're dragging the entire tribe to a showdown with the, with, the, with the pagans. You don't do that. That's not someone who's wise and he cares about his tribe, no. So when they accuse him of, oh, he, it was a tribal reason why he was defending the Prophet, right? Because they came from the same tribe, same family, Bani Hashim. No, it's the exact opposite. If you care about your tribe, he should not have defended the Prophet. Because defending the Prophet meant the destruction of his tribe the loss of their status, being boycotted for three years. Obviously this demonstrates that he believed in the message of the Prophet.
So this is one point. By the way, when it comes to the, you know, idea that Abu Talib was not a believer, not all Sunnis accept that. There are some Sunni scholars who believe that he was a believer and that he died, uh, you know, uh, a believer. But most Sunni scholars have maintained throughout history that he did not die as a believer.